Today we are celebrating Lunasa or Lamas with our favorite pagan practitioner, Miss Danica Connors. Uh, Lunasa is the autumn harvest. It celebrates um, harvesting agriculture, harvesting our crops, how to pay homage to Mother Earth that helped birth the crops, the crops themselves, the gods and the deities that might surround these uh, celebrations and festivals as well. Uh, so Danica is here to uh, to talk us through how to honor this, how to uh, show our appreciation, and how to uh, how to be. Love Danica. Love these conversations. Hope you get something out of it. We'll see you on the other side. But first, a message from our sponsor. Our healing journey can be difficult. It might feel lonely at times. That's why I love sound baths. Where we can get together in a community, we intrinsically support and feel supported by others. And that combined energy can help us go deeper into our own healing journeys. And all you have to do is just lay there for one hour and listen to beautiful healing sounds. I'm a sound healing practitioner, and I hold sound baths on a regular basis in the greater Seattle area. You can find my next sound baths on my website at adamrealhealing.com. That's Adam, A-D-A-M, real, R-I-E-H-L, healing, H-E-A-L-I-N-G.com. AdamRealHealing.com. Your healing is worth your time. Anamkara is a gorgeous meditation and healing center offering daily in-person and virtual services to help bring you back to the center of who you truly are. They serve through a collective of practitioners, healers, and teachers offering daily meditation classes, one-on-one healing sessions, workshops, personal ceremonies, and private events, plus corporate and team training, all with mindfulness at the core. The center itself is located in the heart of downtown Spokane. Every part of it was built, designed, and curated for you to drop into your calm place. They have a large community space for daily meditation classes and workshops, as well as two one-on-one healing rooms, a community kitchen to gather for tea, plus a well-stocked apothecary for you to gather all of your self-care and ritual needs. Hannah Talbot, the owner and founder of Anamkara, dreamed of opening this space for years. It is her ultimate manifestation, and she cannot wait to share it with those in the Spokane community but also through the virtual ethers, wherever you may be. Pop in for a class today. You can follow them on Instagram to book and stay up to date. Check out the website, the full schedule, meet the practitioners, and view all the offerings. Visit them at anamkarahealing.center. Anamkara, may you be nourished and ignited. And now an uninterrupted podcast with Danica Connors. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, today, I'm sitting across from my favorite guest, repeat guest, favorite human in the world, uh, Miss Danica Connors. Uh, Danica has uh, been just gifting us with her knowledge of the, the eight uh, Sabbaths and the Wheel of Life. Uh, we recently just uh, wrapped up our um, summer solstice episode, and now we are getting ready for autumn, for fall, with Lunasa or Lamas. And... Um, I'm learning with everybody as we're doing this. Like I do my research beforehand, but this is something that's that's newer to me to step towards. It's something that I've been aware of. It's been like adjunct around, but never something that I really dove into except for like the equinoxes and solstices. So if this seems overwhelming, it's okay, right? We just take this as steps, right? And the, the lovely and amazing Danica is the best at just breaking this down and giving us some stuff to, uh, ways to honor it, ways to practice it, who it's honoring, and just ways to celebrate. And so love having you back. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you, Adam. I love it. I love coming back. And I, we were just talking about how we were, as we were about to <laughs> record this, the weather <laughs> Outside has taken a brief little moment of feeling that kiss of the change in the air, mm-hmm. which is all that's what 
Lamas and or Lunasa is all about. Yep, definitely. I know. I went to bed last night and been like, you know, I could probably go for a chill day today and maybe a little rain. And I woke up and I'm like, no, I was, I was lying. It's now rainy and kind of cold. And I'm like, no, it's July. We want warmth. I'll, I'll last for this in October. You know. Fucking hell. I know, I know, uh, gosh. Well, we've uh like I said, we've been going through the 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 eight Sabbaths and it's been a very cool journey for me to kind of live by the calendar. And if like you could put it in a different kind of metaphor, it would be maybe like eating with the seasons, right? You know, if you want blueberries in winter, then maybe you should maybe get some kind of like a different type of fruit, right? You know, try to eat with the seasons and see how your body reacts to that. You know, that's always been a cool experiment for me. And this has been another one of those very interesting uh, information dumps that, you know, as I start to embrace it a little bit deeper, find the ways that it's, that it works with me and maybe it works this way now. And as I deepen the knowledge, it'll work different later. And that's one of the things I kind of love about all of this is that it fits you. You don't have to fit it. You know, and that's like yoga, right? Yoga doesn't fit. You don't have to fit your body in that posture. You fit that posture to your body, right? And then you just do the best you can with that, right? And then that just gives us the freedom to be, to be humans. We're human beings, not human doings. Like get out there and fucking be something, you know? Yeah, the deep connection to this planet is individual for everybody, mm. you know? And if the the wheel of the year is something that resonates with you, it's, it's a pretty amazing little structure that allows for a tremendous amount of flexibility in its expression. Yeah. You know, it's that, that archetypal thing where you have a seed that no matter where it's planted or what it is, it's going to uh, really be the foundation of all the different directions that it can go. So yeah. I, I love that, um, that it can be something that provides unlimited expression right. for people, Definitely. at least from, a, from an earth-based style spirituality standpoint. Yes. And I think we need more of that in, um, the, the North American continent, you know, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, folks out here, myself included that are kind of starved for culture and starved for, um, a history, you know, myself, I don't really recognize a lot with my, so I'm Polish and German. I don't really recognize a lot with my Polish and German roots. Um, and it's kind of med, made me, you know, kind of like flounder for a while, you know, cause it just, it's, it's like, I don't recognize with that. I don't recognize it with religion. I feel hypocrisies in there at the time I was trying to figure out life. Spirituality was all woo woo. And it's like, I don't even know if I, I don't even know what the fuck to, where to begin with that shit, you know? And so it's just, it, it can be kind of like, just, it can kind of put you into a tailspin at times, you know, just that the thought of not finding your place. And so that's why I love practices like uh what pagans and wiccans and these these more um earth-based practices because they seem all welcoming it's not like you have to follow this these are the rules you have to follow to play on our team it's like no hey did you see that bush over there that's fucking cool huh you go, go tell it hi and build a fire around it and like maybe dance <laughs> do what you feel is right right and it's like yeah cool because like i'm a human and sometimes i feel like dancing sometimes i don't but that's not wrong one way or the other. You're just, you're leaning into the energy that you have. Right. And so like be a part of something that's not going to tell you you're doing it wrong all the time. And I think that's one of the things I love most about spirituality and the information that you bring is that it feels all encompassing. And if you want to try it, try it. Great. If you don't also great, no harm, no foul. Right. Yeah. We were talking earlier about how uh, in the development of Wicca, in this country, it was actually the West Coast, not the East Coast, but the West Coast that actually brought that mentality to Wicca, meaning, um, you know, the people who originally started this uh, or 
started playing with it out here in the West Coast. It was given to them as an assignment, a college assignment to create ritual. And so it was all about taking these concepts that have kind of come over through literature and through letters and what, what are we going to do with it? Put it on, try it, see if it works, tinker with it. Great shift, adapt. Here we go. Cause mm -hmm. we're just trying to do something that creates altered experience for people in a way that connects us to the planet. And that type of energy and flexibility within Wicca came from the West coast, not mm. the East coast. Yeah. So believe me, I am a over 50 year blue blood New Englander. Yeah. And for me to say that it's like, ha ha gang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what this is all about. But uh -huh. you know, it's that that flexibility, I, I too am German and Polish, but I am also Russian. But my grandmother is turning over in her grave right now because I said Polish, because we were from a swath in the Carpathian mountain regions that every time they turned around, somebody else marched over it and called it theirs. Uh. And at that time, um, her grandmother, it was Russia. Oh, so okay. for us, if I say Polish, she's like, both hands come slamming down on the table. She used to say, no, you're Russian. Oh. You know, you're, you're Russian. And the funny thing is, is no matter where that is, because, you know, it's really easy to find a lot of the mythology and this kind of earth-based connection in the Celtic side, mm -hmm. right? But my grandmother's maiden last name is Perrin. Oh. And when I did the research on that, that is a Slavic god. Oh, Literally... Perrin is the equivalent of Thor. Ooh. Yes, it's their head lightning main wow. thunder god. And believe me, all the women on that side of the family, the running joke is we all have tempers and we all are out there. <laughs> and so I think it's amazing that no matter if you are lucky enough to know your genetics mm -hmm. or you, know, you do your 23andMe moment or whatever that may be, there is mythology in every single culture and it is fascinating to find it. It is really, you know, I'm doing a lot of research right now in mythology with, um, Joseph Campbell mm -hmm. and the hero's journey. And, um, you know, I like, uh, you know, current, current, uh, speakers that talk about that stuff are like Stephen Jenkins and, um, even, uh, oh gosh, I'm spacing on his name right now, but there's, you know, current, current mythology kind of professors and, and, and deep thinkers out there. And it is interesting the um, the the archetypal, you know, when you when you mention that, you know, like because if 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 any listeners are not familiar with archetypes, you know, Jung kind of popularized the terms archetypes and started finding some of those. But it's not that he found them; it's just like he put a name to them. Like they've been happening since the dawn of time, and that's one of Joseph Campbell's ideas: is that there's a story that we all kind of follow, the hero's journey. And, um, and it just, it, it manifests in every aspect of our life if we really look for it. And so like when we can start to see that, that crossover and see that there is like, if you really look, there is a depth to things. Right. And so I think a lot of times in the West, at least from my personal journey, like I, I, I don't know how to sit with sensations. I don't know how to really look for things, right? It was just like, if I don't see it, like, you know, it's intention deficit, right? It's, if I don't see it in a couple minutes, I'm moving off to something else, right? <laughs> right, right. If I don't feel the, hey, where's the fucking spirit? Uh, it's been five minutes. I don't feel it. Okay, I'm going to go have a beer, <clears throat> you know? Uh, <laughs> and, and so, but it, it really leans into that idea that we're all 
we're all doing this, right? We're all a part of this story. We're all a part of this, this world, this universe, whatever it is. And we're all just at different port, parts of it, you know, and points in our own personal lives. Uh, but it's, it's like these little breadcrumbs are all put out there for us to find these little puzzle pieces. And they, they might mean nothing to, to you if you found my puzzle piece, but if I find my puzzle piece, I'm like, oh shit, there's my fucking hip right there. Oh my God, I've been looking for that guy, right? <laughs> and so things like this, I believe, are those puzzle pieces that are scattered around for us to find when it's the right time for us to find them. Yeah, that wheel, the wheel of the year is so is so flexible that um, these archetypes fit into all of these eight points, which means culturally, you can put any god or goddess's face on that. Mm. Anything that resonates with you in that way. So if you genetically have a specific culture that you're in and want to explore that, you can and still fit it within the wheel of the year, right? right? In a way that when you study and know them and, and see, you know, it, it's interesting if it comes from you kind of genetically. At first you're like, okay, the, I, I feel like I'm not culturally appropriating now because genetically this is actually a part yeah, right, of me, right? Yeah. But say somebody sits down and does a shamanic journey and all of a sudden some other goddess comes flying in, you know, into their journeys that's from a completely different culture. You know, who are we to go, um, because it's an archetype. For everybody, right. yeah, you know, of course you have res <clears throat> respect on how you do these things, but stepping in any of these things, because in the end we are all human, mm -hmm. you know, we are all, and I'm sure somebody's going to like get me for this statement that I'm about to make, <laughs> but here we go. We are all, and I wish there was a different word for this. It's a trigger word. We are all indigenous to this planet i love that yes yes we are that word is used very specifically in different ways right, right? but for me if as a cult as as guests of this planet if we don't realize that we are all indigenous to this planet right we're missing the point yeah now so that's why, to me, there's, I feel like this archetypal borderline indigenous sense of the eight, these eight points, because cultures all over the world celebrate every single one of these points in different ways. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, it, it, that is a very much, I'm, I'm sure that, that, that phrase will trigger a lot of people, mm -hmm. but I think it's. I think we're getting to a point to where concepts like that can be understood, mm -hmm. right? Where understandably appropriation has been a very strong, yep. strong thing, you know, uh, uh, you know, Caucasian people uh, pretty yep. much appropriate whatever they wanted. That's not to say that it's drastically changed now, but there's a different understanding now and there's different ways of sharing information. There's different ways of, of understanding information. We have different access to information now. So like to, to the point you were making earlier, like when I, I, I've, I've, I've never really recognized with any religion, deities, anything like that up until maybe about seven, eight years ago. And by no means did I go looking for this culture to be influential in my, in my journey. But my first step into, into spirituality was yoga. 
And it just so happens yoga is at that point, the, the, the derivative of yoga that I practiced was Hindu based, right? Um, you can say yoga was started in, 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 uh, in Egypt, you know, there's all kinds of different ways, you know, we can go back, 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 who fucking knows. Right. But the, the current practice that I have is, is, uh, Indian, India based, right. Hindu based. And with that, it's, you talk about the Hindu gods and goddesses and deities and like Hanuman and Garuda and Mama Gayatri and all these beautiful Lakshmi, all these beautiful beings. To me, those, those, that information entered my sphere for a reason for me to dismiss it and walk away from it. It's like, no, I need to recognize with people I don't even know, like Peter and Paul and Gabriel and all this shit. Like, yeah, those are in the Bible that's in the West, but I don't fucking recognize with that either. I recognize more with this esoteric information that found its way into my, my state of being. So should I just be like, no, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not Hindu. I don't, I'm not Indian. I don't practice those cultures, practice those. those so should I just, I should shun it and walk away from it. No, like find your way to honor the information that's been brought in, ask your questions, do whatever you need to do. But like that version of this mythological story entered into your purview in this shape because that's, you know, this is, again, this is maybe, maybe touch some, some nerves. That's the way the spirit decided to push this information in front of you. This is like, like, I love the idea of like, whenever, um, like, let's say you're being haunted, right? And, but the ghost looks like somebody, you know, right. And it's ended up not being a haunting. It's just person that's a, a, a spirit that's trying to communicate with you. And they're putting themselves into a familiar type of space. So you recognize them, whether it's like, say your dad that's passed or just a human when it might be some energy being right. Rec manifesting as a human. So in that same idea, why should I turn away the Hindu information that's come to me? Because clearly it presented itself in that package because it knew that I would be familiar with that. And I would be like, oh, that's right. I've had this before. I'm remembering part of my past incarnations that I was deep entrenched in this culture. And now finding a way to make it work with this Caucasian body that I have. Right. But should I turn it away and never like put any t thought towards it? Fuck no, man. I think we're, we're negating a lot of our own personal journeys by being overly sensitive to appropriations. Well, it's hard because it's not just that black and white. Right. It's not. Right. You know, it's not, it is super convenient and in many ways really easy and, and, and on the face of it, it looks blatantly obvious. Right. It's like, here's one race, color, and creed that's doing this, and then here's a bunch of and yeah, on the other side, right? And right. I get it. it. It looks like that. And it really physically is in so many ways, right? However, from a spiritual standpoint, it is not that black and white. Right. It isn't. You know, when we go into the term monotheism, Hmm. Right. You know, we tend to think of that more like in Abrahamic religions, but even in paganism, right, there is a concept of monotheism in that there is this all undefinable one hmm. that all things, including the gods came from. So if you go, and this is a very almost like Kabbalistic way of looking at this, right? Mm -hmm. With this one that 
comes down into this almost like if you picture like a circle and then the yin yang. It's a mm. great way of looking at that, right? So if you have this unknowable F of a one, then there's this seed. And the seed, in order to know itself, splits itself into the yin yang in one. Mm. And then from there, it splits apart to active and receptive. And then from there, all the gods and goddesses come down, right? And sure, there are all these mixed gods and goddesses that come from the yin yang that's mixed. Right. as well, right? Yeah. But the monotheistic part is we're all one. Mm. All right? Yes. And that's why I think with the wheel of the year, that oneness is being allowed to express itself in all the ways that it wants to, mm. all the time. Yeah. Ah, oh, beautiful. Love that tangent. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... Back to our back to our topic. Yeah, the Lamas Lunasa. Yeah, um, I, I I love the uh, the midpoint between summer solstice, fall equinox. Mm-hmm. You know, get that midpoint, the transition point, going from you know hot, sweltering, sunny summertime to that kind of like okay, so let's start slowing down a little bit. You know, the weather's getting cooler. We may be planting some harvest. You know, planting some crops for the for the fall that are coming up. Um, you know, some of those gourds and stuff like that, you know, so, but how, uh, so is it the, the, the Celtic God Lou? Yes. Okay. So honoring Lou. And so what, I mean, so what is, what is the big magic that happens in this transition? Okay. So, um, it is considered, uh, Lunasa or Lamas is, is considered the first of our three harvest festivals. Mm, okay. Okay. So Lunasa, Autumn Equinox, and Samhain are harvest festivals. All right. This one is the first fruits and the grains. Mm, okay. All right. Autumn Equinox is more about, you know, the gourds and the pumpkins and the last berries and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then Samhain is about the livestock that uh, is killed before winter. Before winter. Right? Yeah. Okay. So we have different phases. The first one is Lunasa. And that name, um, you know, were is very, very Celtic in origin. That's why some people prefer Lamas, mm-hmm. which translates into loaf mass. Oh. Yeah. So grain <laughs> being turned into bread. Makes sense. Kind of loaf thing, mass. Right? Oh my God. Yeah. Because awesome. if you don't want to be... You don't have to be all Irish or all all Scottish or yeah. all Celtic on this, right? But Lunasa was uh, in honor of the sun god, is uh, a god of light and fire, Lu, who was the king of the Tua de Danon, which were uh, a god, uh, basically an invasive god race. Ooh. Oh yeah, they came in and fought the existing gods, the giants, the Formorians at that okay. time, and kind of one over at that point. And one of the things that Lou did is he negotiated, not negotiated, offered, because they were defeated, the Formorians were defeated. Mm-hmm. Their head leader was going to be killed. And Lou negotiated that he would spare his life if he gave them the secrets to cultivation, plowing, planting, and harvesting. Interesting. So that and so, Lou is um, he was said to have brought agriculture okay. to the people. All right. But what's interesting, if you look at that <clears throat> on the on the broader scope, that's a, a a a invading race. Yeah. Basically, getting the information, 
on how to be able to plant stuff on the land that they were sitting on. Wow. That's Sounds very familiar. Yeah, well, see, again, <laughs> archetype, archetype, same story, different day, right. <laughs> all the, t- all well, the time. I, you know, I, I don't know if there's any relation between it, but, you know, in the uh, a lot of the indigenous um, stories, uh, especially right after the Ice Age, um, a lot of those big epoch events that happened, you know, long, long thousands of years ago, there's stories of, of uh, and you could also say the, the fall of Atlantis, mm-hmm. right? Um, there are stories of, uh, beings like Quetzalcoatl or Veracocha, um, all of a sudden like washing up or, or emerging from the sea into these beaches in indigenous, uh, areas like, you know, South America, Africa, stuff like that. And teaching them how to agriculture and teaching them how to not sacrifice to honor their gods and teaching them how to, you know, all these beautiful things that help you know, move civilization along. And then, you know, in some stories they're, they're welcomed for an extent of time and then they're kind of shunned by other, you know, other tribes. And so they go back into the waters, they disappear again. Um, but they leave that information. And so it's just, it's interesting, like the, the infestation of gods and stuff like that. It's like, you know, there, there's, I guess I, you know, for, for, for a lot of things, like, I guess I just take it at face value as like, gods and deities are like this, these, these beings that have things figured out and they're like up on their thrones and they're doing all this stuff. But then the more you start to read about them, like gods fight mercilessly with each other. They kill each other. They rape sometimes, you know, uh, the worldly women and men and like all this shenanigans and treachery and all this shit. I'm like, gods are kind of like worse than humans in some kind of ways. Or, or we say, you know, like, no wonder we're so fucked up because like, look at the gods that we're following. <laughs> you know? and they think they can do whatever they want, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and it's just one of the things that, you know, Lunasa, well, depending upon, you know, it falls on, it's one of those dusk to dusk moments of the, the Celts where it'll go August 1st to August 2nd. Okay. Um, but like in, in Irish Gaelic, uh, Lunasa is the month of August. In Scottish Gaelic, it's like August 1st. Yeah, mm, that kind of thing. Interesting. So, um, but these, these, depending upon if you are polytheistic, right? And, and there's elements of that too. You know, there's parts of that too where the gods are the gods of the gods and they are very real yeah. and they are very present. And the deal is, especially within the Celtic ones, they... Their heroes in their lives ended up being venerated and turned into gods, mm. right? So there's this bridge where, you know, nothing is that. What I like about paganism and Wicca and how we approach divinity is nothing is pure and clean and perfect. Yeah. It's not. There is as much light as there is dark, there is as much pain. As there is health, there is as much stupidity as there <laughs> is intelligence. There is, it's all there. Yeah. It's all a part of the experience so that you're not actually really sitting on the judgmental throne and mm. going, this is what things should be. Right. Right. So, you know, Lou wasn't perfect. You know, he wasn't. Mm. And he was also a part of the... You know, we see this archetype and pattern, one of the sacrificial kings. Right. Like regicide was a big deal in many cultures 
at this time. Yeah. Because the king was representative of the God. And it was his life that he gives for the people and the goddess, the earth, in order to provide protection and abundance. Mm. Right? So we see at this time sacrifice and its concept, literal and figurative, Mm -hmm. are completely embodied in this celebration. Wow. In different ways, right? What kind of sacrifice? Like So one of the things with the first harvest yeah. is we're celebrating still it's summer. Yeah. It's still summer, the high we're this, we're that, and we're seeing the fruition, the first fruits of our harvest. So we celebrate that, right? But in the height of the celebration is the dark that comes there. So think of fruition, right? Mm -hmm. Something comes to fruition like an apple. The fruit has come to its peak, right? But it's only at its peak when it falls off the Mm. branch to its death. Right. Right? Yeah. So in this time, the sacrifice is that fruit falling off the tree Mm. in order to a, spread its seed, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But within the culture of humanity, provide sustenance. Right. Right? So, in harvest is inherent sacrifice. Yeah. Right? Wow. So, something has to die in order to feed something else. God, can't we take that lesson as humans? I know. <clears throat> well, I mean, not to say that my body's going to feed another human, but like it, 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 w- it does. Though, it does, right? Because it's it's it composts down. Yep. It becomes part of the earth. My part of me becomes the apple, the aforementioned apple that you're about to exactly. eat, right? Exactly. So, like, it's just so interesting how afraid we are as humans of death and of of leaving this space and and not fulfilling, you know, that cyclical journey that we're that we're here for. Yep. You know, it's it, the more we, and I think maybe that's, that's, that's one of the psychological issues that we have is because we just haven't accepted that we're going to fall off the branch one of these days. Yeah. And, and that fall might suck, but that fall is going to help somebody else survive. Mm-hmm. And, and that person won't survive unless you fall. Yeah. And depending upon whether you believe in reincarnation, you know, I'm a wheel of the year gal. Yeah. Which means this wheel doesn't end. It right. just keeps, keeps turning. going. You know, it's, I just, I'm, I'm listening. So like I said, I'm, I'm researching Joseph Campbell. I'm doing a lot of like research on like old religions and stuff for just future podcasts that I'm doing with people. And there's a, there's a, a one I listened to the other day and it was about the Rosicrucians. Oh, And, yeah. and that's, that's a, that's a, a sect that I'm not, or a division of, of religion I'm not very familiar with. Mm-hmm. I've heard of. Um, and what was interesting to me was that, so Rosicrucians is like the precursor to Christianity and Catholicism. It's like that's it came from that. And the Rosicrucians believed in reincarnation heavily. They believed that that in their in their black cross that the seven there were seven symbols that go from top to bottom representing the chakras, right? Representing energy centers in our bodies, right? And so it's just so funny and not funny, I shouldn't say that, but it's interesting how far humans have twisted this idea from its origin source to now demonize what a lot of the origin of these religions heavily, heavily believed in. And I mean, it's, it's hard not to, I hate to work conspiracy theories, 
definitely believe in some of them, but you know, it's just such a buzzword now, but it's hard not to believe in the conspiracy of divinity through another person being forced upon us, right? I have to go to a priest to talk to God. I can't just have an orgasm and feel the spirit running through me and be like, Hey, what's up God? Holy hell. Right. I can't know that I'm being reincarnated. Do you know how much anxiety would leave this world if more people understood that that reincarnation might be a true thing? Like to the point of like, look at, um, let's say monks that would say, take a vow of silence. They would take a vow of silence knowing that in the next life, their words would be so powerful because they're making this sacrifice in this life. Take a vow of celibacy in this life, knowing that next life, your sexual energy is going to be so fucking insanely powerful because you've made this sacrifice in this life. If we know that we're going to keep getting these chances, we might take more chances as humans, we might explore more of our divinity as humans if we know that like, you know, this, this, this knowledge that we can continue to birth and rebirth and move with and understand and deepen and understand and deepen and understand, but we've now put a finite end to it. And now we're afraid of that end. So we keep pushing ourselves away from it. Now I'm holding on to that branch, nail my hands to this branch. I'm not fucking letting go. This apple's not falling. No. Yeah. And that, and there, there, there is a part of you know, our, our fear is kind of an inherent part of this cycle in different ways. Right. I mean, it's expected. You know, depending upon the culture, we have how how politics seeks to control, right. right? And there's spirituality, and then there's religion, and then there's that attachment to politics and how deep that is or mm-hmm. not, right? But when you start shifting out from that, we realize that our fears... Because like the concept of sacrifice, if we go back to one of the really core ideas of what Lamas is about. So like before we even get into that, you know, the main thing we are, we are harvesting mm-hmm. on this day, our first harvests. We are celebrating our skills in order to do that, right? So we celebrate the abundance of Mother Earth, but it's also a celebration of the gift of agriculture mm-hmm. and how humans could change the bounty into something that's food. Nice. Right? Yeah. So it's not just, it's you know, it's harvesting. It's also acknowledging your skills, mm. right? What you're good at, yeah. right? But the sacrifices it took to have your personal harvests and get those skills and what this means is really important because yeah. it's always happening in order to make something grow. It's always a part of seeing the death within life, the life within death, and knowing that that's always there, right? right. This is a time where, you know, come on, most people think of Burning Man with that giant burning man. Right. That is a very, very old pagan tradition all the way back to regicide, mm. really. Wow. Okay, to the concept of the the first wheat, the first grain sheaves some corn and this and that is kind of what you would make this giant effigy out of mm. and burn that as an as a sacrifice yeah. instead of the actual human. In certain times, it was like nasty, where yeah. it was like the the people who were considered 
God, when you think about this, you're like, oh no, who did they really put in there? But, you know, Ooh. humans who were considered thieves and degenerates and all this stuff were part of that sacrifice, right? But then oh. it went even, you know, you go back to like the Greeks and they would sacrifice living sacrifices of bulls and, and, and pigs and all kinds of stuff. And you go back even farther, kings. Right. Right. So because blood is life and it's power and magic, Right. Mm -hmm. And yes, we are in a time where that type of sacrifice is not the best idea <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Right. But acknowledging your sacrifices of what it takes to get where you are and what you are doing in order to bring things into fruition in your life is important. Yeah. That that's you know, that's part of this whole process, right? You know, the um when I think of, you know, for me, llamas is that agricultural bit where, especially in this country, like corn, mm -hmm. like even the Native Americans around this time, it was uh, the celebration of the green corn, like the first harvests of the corn, right? Okay. And you cut and that first sheaf that came down, whether it was wheat or corn, is sacred, mm. right? That, the cutting of that is literally the cutting of the God. Wow. Yeah. Right. So the thing is, is at least in the traditions that I've worked with, the goddess does that. Whoever, you know, when we're looking at the divine, this divine interplay, this divine story. Yeah. Right. In in Beltane, it was her lover. In in summer, he asked of him, "Will you will you marry me and be take responsibility not just for." the relationship to us, but the relationship and protection of my people. Right. And in some traditions, he says, I see this, I'm not so sure I want to do this because I see my blood upon the corn. Mm. Right? Okay. And then at Lamas, he knows what is expected, right? And at this time, the mating between the god and the goddess happened a lot yeah. at this time, okay. right? So we think of le petit mort, the little death, yeah. the seed as it is ejected, the death that happens in order to create life, mm -hmm. right? So we're talking this macrocosm, microcosm moment of God and goddess, right? And through this, he dies and is, is reborn as a sheaf of wheat mm. or corn or whatever that is. And the cutting of that corn, she, at this point, he says, this is my responsibility. This is what I've asked for. And she backs up. She's like, I can't do this. I love you. Mm. I can't do this. I love you. Yeah. And he says, don't take this away from me. This is the promise that I made. These are my people and they must survive. And so she, in fear, in grief, mm -hmm. takes his life. Wow. Knowing full well that in her belly, you know, is the... It, that's where the rebirth occurs, right, yeah. right? But it's not that that doubt and that fear and all of that is not there, right? So whoever plays your goddess on that day should be the one to cut the corn, wow. should be the one to cut that first, either that corn or the wheat or whatever it is and places it in the fire. So we're still sacrificing in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe maybe a little more metaphoric, so we're not Absolutely. killing humans. Completely. But 
there's still a reverence around it. Oh, there is a ver- there's reverence around it because within the food that springs from the body of Mother Earth, yeah. you know, this is where our yin and yang come in, our god and goddess, and where that intermingles, right? Mm-hmm. That's a part of every single bit of the wheel of the year. Yeah. So all of the effort, all of the effort that as in conjunction, you with divinity has created that harvest. There's this constant macrocosm, microcosm, constant, constant, constant happening with this. So when you harvest it, you know it's going to feed you. So you're celebrating Mm. the joy and the abundance that Mother Earth is giving you. And at the same time, with the cutting of that, you understand that death occurs. Right. And the sacrifice that is willingly made in order to have that happen. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a story I read recently, um, and they were talking about the uh, the buffalo dance mm-hmm. that um, a lot of uh, Native American tribes use, and um, I've never I've never dug into it, you know. And it's not something I was like, oh, why why do they do the buffalo dance? Mm-hmm. You know, it was just something I just took at face value. It's like cool traditional buffalo dance, beautiful. I've seen it a few times, but I didn't know the meanings behind it. And the other day, like through the story, I found the meaning behind it. And there's a whole story that goes into it. You know, Buffalo comes and takes uh, the chief's daughter. Dad wakes up and sees the Buffalo tracks and the human tracks was like, you know, so pragmatic, these Indian chiefs. He was like, clearly my, my daughter was taken by a Buffalo. And it's like, of course, why else, what else could happen? You know, but so long story short, you know, all this happens, but, um, the, the, the Buffalo end up trampling the chief. A magpie brings a, a vertebrae of the chief back. The, the the daughter brings the chief back to life. The buffalo say, hey, this whole time, if you can bring him back to life, why don't you bring us back to life? Like, you kill us all the time. And basically the maiden was like, I will teach you our dance and the energies to bring you back to life. Now, whenever we do this dance, we're bringing back to life the buffalo we've killed the previous year. We're not killing more buffalo. Right. And so it's, it's a very honorable understanding of the sacrifice that needs to be made for this type of, of animal to survive, the humans to survive. They're taking the lives of these Buffalo in a, in a very honorable way. And then they're reincarnating those Buffalo every year by singing the song and dancing to them. And there was just such a, there's, there was like this, like I talked about puzzle pieces earlier. It was like one of those puzzle pieces that I didn't know I was looking for that just fit in and kind of like helped me understand the importance of conscious sacrifice and, and the beauty that sacrifice can lead to because of the awareness that it can, that it can cause. And without that awareness, without knowingly, so now I'm going to like, I'm, I'm taking this life with my hands. I'm going to say this prayer over it, whether it's a wheat stock or it's a buffalo, right? I'm going to take this. I'm going to say, hey, thank you so much for feeding my family. Whatever the prayer is, I say, I take that. I make that sacrifice. But you feel it in a deeper way. And it's like an appreciation. And it's no wonder nobody, no no part of the buffalo went un, un, unused. To no part, it's no wonder that every part of the corn is used, right? Because You've made that sacrifice. You know how important that life is to, to have taken it. So we're going to use every bit of it to honor that, that being. And this is a very important for, check for humans in a capitalistic society. Oh, man. This is ri- Sacrifices happen yeah. in order for anything that shows up. Mm-hmm. We have to remember that sacrifices are made. It is not limitless. Mm-hmm. There, is, there are checks and balances 
And so instead of just going, oh, it's my latest phone because it's the latest up, there are sacrifices in order for all of those pieces to have been made, the earth sacrificed, Yep. right? Yep. So I love llamas for reminding us in all that you celebrate the joy, because this is this was a time like way back when where it was a month long harvest festival. Mm. People came together in order to a celebrate, like a version of the Olympics yeah. happened at this time, basically oh, in the okay. Celtic lands. Oh my God! It was all of your skills. There were competitions and games and all these things. And at that time, this was the sign of like the harvest season's beginning where people would come together, all the games, the first big harvests were happening. They were hiring farm hands. They were trading out livestock. Mm. They were doing different like political business at that time. The month of August was huge, but it was as much celebration as it was hard, hard, hard work Yeah. in order for that to happen. Right. So that's where we have like some of the things that you do traditionally at Lamas is games have relay races. Yeah. Like we see these types of things in any agrarian style. Like when we go out to any of the farms in this air in Washington, right? That you see there's like hay rides starting to happen and corn mazes oh, yeah. and all of these things that are starting to occur, right? And then a lot of the times in August you see a lot of the games, like the Highland games and the this and the that. All these things show up, right? So you are ce- you have celebrating you know, I love, Hmm. I love having some version of a relay that involves corn (laughs) in in my rituals. I, you know, if I can get away with it, I will do it Yeah, (laughs) because you need that. It's that celebration and that fun and all that stuff. But there's also the moment where the ritual turns to the sacrifice, Hmm. right? Because it's all there, you know, anything, especially in America, corn is a big deal here. You know, we kind of learned all that from the Native Americans, Most definitely. how that is, right? Yep. But, you know, even in, in Celtic lands, they made corn dollies now. Out of the dried husks, you'd fashion little bodies that huh. became fertility amulets. Okay. Through then until Imbolc. And they were dressed in different ways. And at Imbolc, they were burned mm. for the light to return. Okay. Right? Yeah. So I love, I always, for me, I always make a corn dolly at Lamas, a brand new one that comes out. You know, I have my old one ready to go for this Lamas ritual that will be on the altar so that it was dressed as the goddess in different ways, right? But it's a fertility uh, and abundance amulet in the home. Mm. So something like that is always fun. You know, um, bread is a big deal. Because the grain. Yes, and, okay. the grain. You, you know, it is the magic of the God, the divinity's abundance and humanity's ingenuity making something mm. like bread. Right. Like there it is. Cornbread or even like traditional braided bread, like oh, braided yeah. sweet bread. You know, there's the triple goddess. Mm. Or oh, that okay, yeah. that could be, you know, that could be the God, the goddess and humanity mm. together. Work so that each piece of that you see, like she, she, the goddess has her abundance right now, and that that harvest is happening all the way through until the birth at Yule, right? Mm -hmm. And the god with his sacrifice now, 
that lifeblood goes all the way and passes out of this world in Samhain. That's why the gates become so thin. Okay. Because his, like, the sacrifice here, the body, the body degenerates, you know, and mm-hmm. gives its light force into the planet to continue the harvest, and then the soul shifts out. Wow. And the gates become thin at Samhain. Wow. All right, so... At this point, Mm -hmm. it's, I, you know, celebrating is important. Your sacrifices are important. Make sure you take time, like, to know how to do this for yourself, right? I will sit down and go, what is coming to fruition right now? What is it going to take to harvest it? And what sacrifices have I made to get here? And what sacrifices am I going to have to continue to make in order for these harvests to occur. Wow. So you're really having to sit with self, sit with sensations, sit with concepts, sit mm-hmm. with ideas, mm-hmm. not this move to the next thing mentality that we've kind of adapted to. Yeah. And this is kind of our Thanksgiving. Mm, okay. Really? Right? Yeah. Like, you know, when the English showed up and went, wow, they're doing this big ass harvest right here. Celebration mm-hmm. right around here. Right? You know, and it kind of, there are different ones that happen in autumn and however this is, but. I, if you have a garden, harvest on that day. Mm, okay. Harvest something, anything. Harvest it. And yeah. the first thing that you harvest on that day is not for you. That's, that's for the gods. Okay. Right? Yeah. So either you put that on your altar or you do whatever ritual you want to do to honor it. Mm-hmm. Give it a place of honor. Um, and, I, you know, for me, find your farmer's markets. Yeah. On that day. Bake Invite a whole bunch of friends over and just everybody do a giant potluck and everybody only go to your farmer's market and make stuff straight out of, you know, what has just come out of the ground on that day. Yeah. Right? We want that celebration of your local abundance. And it's a really great idea to support your farmers because they are the ones whose blood, sweat, and tears and all the sacrifice that they do allows you to eat. Yes. A hundred percent. Like... So there's your give back to the sacrifice, mm-hmm. right? Of the active part, the God part is your farmer. Yeah. I love that. You know, it's like give back to them on that day. Yeah. Yay, yay, yay. In every way. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> so I, you know, anything that's done from grain is also like a really great sacrifice. Like there's a, believe me, a lot of cultures are like, Whiskey! Ah, there you go. Like yeah, any totally. of yeah. any of the grain alcohols, right? Are like, all right, here we go. We're doing right? it, right? Uh-huh. You know, um, but it is that corn sacrifice. Like, there's an old uh, um, Irish tune. Um, oh, uh, John Barleycorn. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. There were three men came out of the west, their fortunes for to try. And these three men made a solemn vow. John Barleycorn must die. They plowed, they sowed, they harrowed him in. Threw clods upon his head. And these three men made a solemn vow. John Barleycorn is dead. That is literally llamas. Wow. 
Wow, that was beautiful. Thank you. Oh, Thank you for sharing that. It's one of my one of my faves. Yeah, you know, it, it it's like the harvesters. They plowed him into the ground. The because ki- it's the 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 killing aspect. Plowing, Plowing. is death. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's something too like I'm, I'm I'm assuming the 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 sacrifice that you talk about like that that first cutting whether it's wheat corn whatever it is generally it's probably done by hand right mm-hmm. and so it's uh, one of the things that I learned in my my journey through uh, chanting and things like that in my early days was how you know when things were hand hand harvested. Um, songs were sung to to the mm. to the harvest, right? And so, in uh, again, so I learned chanting, um, and in the, in the Hindu kind of mythology and understanding. And one of the chants that I learned that was that was used was the Chamundi Durga chant, and it's Om Aim Rim Klim Chamundi Viche, and um, honoring the energy of what's being harvested. And through that song and through that chant, the 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 properties of that 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 being that 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 whatever you're harvesting whatever you're sacrificing was activated, and so you being an herbalist, which that's how we met, uh, what it related to me was like okay, so let's take holy basil now, right? So holy basil now, let's say it's the same exact holy basil as it was thousands of years ago, right? Same chemical construct, all that shit, you know, little genetic and you know changes from here and there, natural evolution, but for all intents and purposes, the same one. But the one from way back then is theoretically potent, more potent than the one now. That's not right. That's not true. But maybe the way that it was treated like mm-hmm. a being and not mm-hmm. a thing. It was harvested as a friend and as the, the sacrifice was noted and appreciated. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Holy Basil, for making the sacrifice so that I can think clear or that you can be some accoutrement on my salad that I make, you know, whatever it is. But you, you honor that thing, you sing it a song, and then that thing's like, hey, me and you, buddy, we're going to do this together. Whereas now we have these machines that are very cold and very abrupt and very abrasive that just go and clear cut all this shit out. There's no song being sung. There's just a bunch of grunting and like electronical noises being made, you know? So is that diminishing the, the, the product or the, you know, the, the energy of what's the vital being harvested, connection. you know? So like, it's, it's, it's no wonder, like we have this such separation from like the animals that we eat or the food that we eat or the medicine that we take because we're not actually in interacting with it. Yeah. It's it's a it's an ancillary thing. It's like, oh I'm hungry, I'm gonna just go grab whatever in the fridge. It's like, no, I'm hungry, I'm gonna go outside and talk to the tomatoes, find out which one is ready to be picked, thank it for allowing me to pick it, cut some lettuce, make some lettuce, make a salad, honor that salad, give a little bit to the gods outside and eat what the rest of it is. You know, and it sounds like that's a lot. That's a lot of steps, right? Rather than just going to McDonald's and throwing a burger in your face while you're driving down four oh five, right? <laughs> you know, hey, right, wrong or indifferent. But it's taking those steps that you feel are necessary for you to start that journey and then seeing what else happens from that because if you would have told me 10 years ago what process I just told you I would have not even listened to you and walked away but now being 10 years into my journey it's like one more time can mm-hmm. you tell me that where can I find time to go talk to my talk to my food before I eat it mm-hmm. you know and it's it's so again like a lot of this stuff might seem overwhelming but just I liken I liken this to to go into a foreign country and not knowing their language. If you learn and you try and you attempt, the beauty and the acceptance and the openness that you received with is amazing. If you go in there and wipe the dirt off your shoulders like, hey, I know we're in France, but where's the fucking bathroom? 
somebody's going to give you some attitude and you're going to be a dick, right? So finding your ways to honor the practices that you're moving towards, even if it's not the full on where you're going to be at, don't let that stop you from starting, right? No, There's come, no perfect Come with talent. an open heart. Yeah, most come, definitely. Come with an open heart. You know, it, I know it, it may feel... The funny thing is, is if I go out and I want to pick some basil, mm-hmm. if I just take a breath and hum hmm. that song in my head, all of the concepts of what it is are happening. Right. My gratitude, the understanding of the sacrifice, all of it. Because it, it, that's what it means for me. Right. So singing it, humming it while I do that, you know... So, it's not that you have to break it all down in your head one step at a time. For some people, that's great because it's going to mean, you know, a reinforcement of certain things and a slowing down mm-hmm. in a certain way. But know that if you've heard of these concepts once, even looking at a plant the next time, all of them are going to be there. All of the concepts of everything we've talked about are going to come flying in there energetically. If you just pause and mm. even say thank you. Yeah before you do anything yeah right yeah there's 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 almost like this this applied gnosis like maybe we don't understand where the information comes from but when we do like when we start attempting it's you know i'll speak from my personal experience like it it feels weird and awkward and cumbersome because it's outside of what you're normally used to and maybe even for the first x amount of time it feels weird and awkward and cumbersome but there is a there is a tipping point when it stops feeling like that and it just becomes natural you know, for for me, recently within the past like six months, I started blessing my food before I ate, before I eat it. Never have done it before, never once, and I felt really weird doing it. You know, but I'm still like, and sometimes it would take me five minutes because I didn't know what I was saying. I'm like, take 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 the the, the dirt, take take the water, take the worms. Should I take the insects? Like I'm just like oh, I'm just gonna take everybody. I'm like up here on a Grammy speech, just don't know when to fucking turn on the music. Somebody get me out of here, you know. <laughs> and and now I've got to whittle down to like just like a couple lines that, that mean something to me. And it means something to me. And it might not be your prayer, it might not be the prayer, right? But it's a prayer that makes sense to me. And so I think a lot of that is what where we kind of get into it is find what works for you. You know, find the the practices, like understand the umbrella that they lie under, right? But if if there's like an honoring of the first sacrificial uh, corn husk that comes up. Maybe you don't know the song that the beautiful song you just sung, but you can make up a song about like how much you appreciate corn. That corn's gonna be like, hey, check out the remix this guy just fucking made. This is great, you know. Never heard this one before. Let's fucking do this, right? You know, it's it's all about the attempting, right? Just yeah. try, yeah. just fucking try. Yeah. And one of the other things to think about with this time is this is preparation. This is acknowledging the ebb. Mm. We are acknowledging the darkness that's coming. We are acknowledging the winter that's coming. Right. We are celebrating. We're still in the height of summer, but we are preparing. With a harvest, make no mistake, <laughs> we are preparing for the dark that is coming, mm-hmm. right? So it's not just, yes, sacrifice, yes, celebration in the height of all these things and your skills and blah, 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 but it's practical. This is prep. Yeah. You know, that's why when you stop and you think, what is coming to fruition? What do I need to do in order to harvest that and mm-hmm. apply it? Right? That's your prep. Yeah. For what's coming. It's super important to have that that with you at this time as well. So, you know, whether you do it through divinity stuff like tarot, whether it's a meditation, whether you sit down and journal, 
and take those points down and just go, oh, this is where I am right now and rip out that piece of paper and place it on your altar and put a piece of corn on it mm -hmm. or put a piece of bread on it Yeah. or put it, you know, if you really want to go there, the powerful symbol for me, oh, it's so powerful. Every time I see it, half the time I choke up, I'm like, especially mm. when it's done in ritual because you see that it's like, oh my God, when, when, Whoever plays the god, heart, like, it picks up the piece that she's harvested, takes it to, like, the cutting block, gets down on their knees, places it down. She takes a giant axe, whacks it in half, and he pours wine all over it, the okay. blood. And you just look at it, and you're like, Oh my God. Like when you hear that ax go, thunk, it's like mm. silence just hits Yeah, and you go, okay, 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 okay. I know where we are now. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. So even if, if you go out on that day, buy some local corn, mm -hmm. make it, make popcorn, yeah. like popcorn or whatever it is, but take one piece what if you're find one piece that feels like it wants to be it? Hmm. Find a local red wine, and on that day, whack that thing in half, pour red wine over it, and place it on top of your list that hmm. you just made. Hmm. And then you can take your little corn husks and make it into a dolly. <laughs> you know, like I'm like, oh, you know, I always uh, there's so, every single festival, they're all my favorite. Right. Know, I get, <laughs> I get in every single one. It's like, oh, the just that deep magical like the goosebumps come out moment of of really physically and spiritually plugging in yeah there's nothing like it that's you know and we need to feel that alive we need to feel those things that make us feel that alive right yeah and in it you know we might not even know where to start a lot of us you know because we're maybe so separated from our own understanding of we are connected in a body mind spirit kind of idea um whatever trauma whatever thing might have happened right but there's such a connection to self, to community, to this world, to the universe. Once you start to really kind of like dive into you, right? And what makes sense to you. And if you really like for me, what makes sense to me is this, this these practices. Um, and, and not necessarily it has to be these practices. But what I found is that these practices bring me back to an understanding that I'm part of this. I'm not separate from it. I'm not above or below it. I'm as much of a part of this world as the ant that's making a hill outside. I might not understand that ant's perspective and it will never understand mine, right? But it doesn't mean that I'm more important than it or it's more important than me. And I think it's, it's these practices that show you that, I love the, the, the quote, and I might've used it on this particular show, but everybody's unique, but nobody's special. Right. We all have unique qualities about us from like that aunt I just talked about to me, to you, to whatever. But that doesn't mean that because I can walk upright and build things with my hands 
that I'm better than that ant that walks on all eight of its legs and builds things with its little fucking little pinchers in its mouth, right? We all have that place. And I think when we can understand that, then we see where the place is and we stop trying to take other people's places. Yeah. Yeah. That's why honoring your skills on this day, huge. I don't care what, whatever skill you have that you love doing, Mm -hmm. do it on that day. Yeah. It's like that, the icky guy. Uh, concepts right it's where you you're you're you do something for the sheer enjoyment of doing it yeah not that you're trying to accomplish anything you're not trying to like show off but just like i like to sand wood so i'm gonna go over there and just sand that piece of plywood for two hours just to sand it and that just makes me happy yeah and it is and like on this day it's not about a brand new skill it's something that is in your arsenal Mm -hmm. that you do well and i guarantee you you probably just take for granted at this point Yes. Right? On that day, take it out of the take for granted moment and put it into this is really fucking sacred moment. Yeah. This is acknowledging my this is how I I step into my role as that in between between the gods and here. Through my skills come how divine expression comes into this world, how it is harvested. Yeah. So it's like, yes, this is my skill set. And then take the time and go, how many sacrifices did it take to get here? Ah, yeah, huh? Wow. How many doors did I sacrifice and not go through Mm -hmm. in order to do this? Yeah. All right? So... There's all, always like that, that check. There's always that humility place. Like, so you're never really truly sitting in it. It's not all light. It's not all dark. They're all in between each other and they're all moving between all, all this time. Yeah. You know, it, but I, but, you know, I love the, I, as you can probably tell, I just love the concept of that braided moment of divinity and then humanity actually being in there because as a human i have to say when agriculture we're like yay and then there's a part of you that's like god we have fucked up this planet with our agriculture yes we have yeah really badly in many 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 ways so i'm kind of like right uh how 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 am i okay with acknowledging humans ability to take what this beautiful planet has provided and and make it into something like there's such a difficult for any of us who are aware in different ways or choose to be aware it is very difficult to even say that that's okay anymore but on llamas it's like the skill the skills you are given are sacred yeah how you use them (laughs) that's what you're responsible for yeah your skills aren't the fuck up right that magic needs to be acknowledged because as humans what i love about llamas is we are trying to recognize that this is how we work in tandem with right in tandem with by learning and stepping into those rhythms Mm -hmm. how can we do this yeah yeah i'm not controlling nature i'm working with nature so that nature can provide and i can also provide for nature because me tilling the ground helps nature grow and and recycle the nutrients you know yes (sighs) You know, they're just, I, I love the, the partnership idea. And I know we have like billions and billions of people and it's, we've kind of laid our own bed, but you know, it, it, 
part of, you know, I'll go back to the reincarnation moment we talked about earlier. You know, I can sit here and be upset and lament and blah, 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 fucking the humans in the world and all this shit. But to be frank, it's all perfect the way it is because with all these lives that we have to reincarnate and incarnate to and to figure out, like, this is part of that process. You know, it's like religion gets a bad rap because religion is what religion is now. But what religion might be in 3,000 years might be something very beautiful once humans understand how to interpret religion. So, you know, where we're at now and where we're going to be is going to be, you know, two vastly different places. So, you know, it's, it's hard to... And by no means am I saying like, you know, just go fucking burn down a forest tomorrow because we're all going to reincarnate anyways. But, you know, with these things like the buffalo dance, right? The, the buffalo had to die to feed the, the humans, just like, you know, a rabbit has to die to feed a wolf, right? And so maybe the wolf has a, a song that they, maybe that's what they're howling at the moon for, to bring the rabbits back every year, right? Well, that, there's the death and the sacrifice of um, within the Irish mythological standpoint is that on that day... Lou's stepmother, who was Formorian, okay. who, is, who was from the race that the Tua de Danan came in and took over. Ah, right? okay. His stepmother okay. was Formorian. Tell you, she, uh, right around there, um, basically cleared, cleared out the land for agriculture around County Meath in Ireland. And she died doing it. And as she was, she sacrificed to be able to provide something for the people, right? And as she was dying, she said to Lou, hold celebrations in honor of my death. And from there, the land will continue to thrive if you hold these games and celebrations every year. Right. So there's, again, you have that image Mm -hmm. of the sacrifice. You know, so this is celebration. And I love that, like, really, the Irish in many ways, like, in certain ways, they celebrate their dead. They, like, there's a lot of whiskey and laughter and music <laughs> and all of this stuff. Because in the midst of the celebration, they, you know, fr- way back when, before, you know, Christianity and Catholicism and all, uh, all the forms of it kind of, before then... There was a complete understanding of the life within the death and the death within the life. And there is this celebration. You know, she asked for games and celebration in honor of her death. Yeah. So, you know, I I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of goes to that, uh, you know, the, let's, in New Orleans, you know, where they they have celebratory parades for death, you Mm -hmm. know, instead of funeral processions you know mm-hmm. it's like let's break out the fucking tubas and trumpets man let's let's jam out let's do this shit you know are you kidding me when i die a you know cremated b i want everybody to sit whoever wants to be there around a big fire with like a horn full of mead or whiskey my ashes right there yeah and everybody it's passed around the fire everybody will take will tell a story Whatever story they want about their relationship to me, mm-hmm. take a handful of my ashes, throw it into the fire, take a big swig of whiskey, and pass it to the next person. <laughs> uh, that got- is like, and then at the end, just a bunch of like Irish session music. Like, Love that's it. it. Hell yeah. You know, the celebration and the time to grieve with the story and the passing of the whiskey, but just, ah. Uh, you know, the life within the death, the death within the life. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hell yeah. Well, you've recorded that. Your your, your wishes now. (laughs) Anybody that wishes to know how Danica wants to be remembered, make sure to reference episode number, what is this, 107 maybe? I don't know. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Oh, man. Well, okay. So anything else we want to kind of touch on to wrap up Llamas? Gosh, I think in all honesty, even like sitting here looking at my notes, I think we got it all. Awesome. I really do. Very cool. Well, our next stop is our um, uh, fall equinox. Yes. And that, that might actually wrap us up for the, the eight, isn't it? Yes. Wow. We're going to have to find other things to talk about now. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I'm in. I'm whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> uh, well, thank you always uh, for, for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, your your exuberant personality. I just I love our conversations. Uh, this one was a bit more off topic than on topic with this time, which is I just love because tangential, we go wherever we need to go. Yeah. Uh, but uh, make sure to tune in uh, for the next one and also check out the previous ones. We've, uh, the, like I said, this is the, the sixth of the eight that we're doing, uh, or maybe the seventh. This is the seventh. Isn't this is the seventh. Yeah. Okay. So check out the previous six episodes and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much for spending time with Danica and I. Uh, For more information about Lunasa, Lamas, or any of the previous episodes, check out the show notes for links and ways to get in touch with Danica or myself. Well, basins and love. We'll see you all next time.